Today, Jen Trepik shares the five fat factors and breaks through some of the dieting myths. Jen, uh, how to describe Jen? Well, this is worth just a little bit of backstory. Um, I stumbled across Salad with a Side of Fries podcast somehow, and I'm not really sure how. Love Jen's attitude and her overall, she just has such a magnetic personality and this larger than life persona. And in fact, that kind of, uh, reading her bio just kind of made sense after finding that out about Jen. So Jen Trevick is described as a force of nature in the wellness space. She's an optimal health coach, podcaster, and business consultant. She graduated from the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and founded Better Life Now LLC while working full-time in hedge funds. After over a decade of coaching clients, she started Salad with a Side of Fries podcast to help pay it forward and reach a larger audience to teach her nutrition education. And this is here, what I'm talking about specifically is nutrition education. We're all supposed to know, and nobody ever taught us. Jen implements revenue generating wellness programs in doctor's office, offices, salons, and spas to further expand impact and help change the state of healthcare as a certified transitions lifestyle coach and consultant with Nutrimetrics Custom Health Solutions. When she's not hunkered down at home during a pandemic, She's typically working out at Physique 57, discovering hidden gems in New York City, and here we're talking restaurants, or traveling to spend time with family and friends. Again, I love Jen. I love her podcast. Um, I can't say enough good things. Like It's so unique how she structures her podcast, even the one-on-one, or even the... um, even the solo episodes that aren't really solo, like she's just, she's so great. And she's totally for um, revealing truths. And these are truths, uh, she's quite experience-based. So she's revealing truths that she knows that she's lived through. And um, I loved talking with her. So today's, uh, again, she's talking about the five fat factors and kind of demything and debunking um, some common myths. Let's get into it. Welcome to Holistic Wellness a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll find holistic skincare in one simple routine. Today, I'm sitting down with Jen Trepic to talk about fat myths and also some detox myths. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for this episode. You host Salad with a Side of Fries, which is just an incredible podcast. Can you share a little bit both about your podcast and then about your larger, what else you're into? 
Absolutely. So the podcast is called Salad with a Side of Fries, available on all of the podcast listening platforms. Um, I started the podcast August of 2019 after over a decade, you know, I think it was maybe 12 years or so of working with clients as a health coach. I have a specialty in weight management. And the podcast really came out of the idea that we're all really having these conversations and we want these answers, you know, like, for example, I sort of describe the podcast as like answering the questions that come up at the gym or when you're having a drink with a friend, like, oh, they look great. What are they doing? Should I do that? Right? Like, probably not. <laughs> but let's talk about it. You know, let's see what it is and why somebody might do that and what the, you know, pros and cons. So, you know, or, um, you know, I really call it wellness and weight loss, but for real life, you know, and a big piece that I'm super passionate about is clearing up the misinformation and bad science that I think is really wreaking havoc in wellness. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I love your podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know your background, like we speak the same language. Yeah. I don't have your background. Like, you know, I, I joke that I feel like maybe now I should have gone to med school instead of business school, but that's another story. <laughs> well, one of the things that struck me early on when I first found your podcast was I hit one of your nutrition nuggets on aloe and I had just released an episode on aloe on my own podcast. Perfect timing. See, we're in sync. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So anyways, um, but yeah, your nutrition nuggets are great, as are your longer episodes and your guest speakers. Well, thank you. Can you share how you got into nutrition? Yeah. So I think like so many of us in this wellness space, um, it started from my own, I call it a saga. I feel like the word <laughs> journey doesn't do it justice, you know, like, but I, I joke that I was the skinny one in a family of dieters growing up and I I was a dancer, right? So I think that made me certainly more aware of my body, you know, and like where my body is in space and that kind of stuff. But then um, I didn't really gain weight until between like high school and college. I had gone on birth control at that time and it was a total lifestyle change between dancing, you know, a million days a week and, you know, school and a million activities and doing all the things and then, and eating mostly at home. I mean, I was always a healthy eater, right? But then I remember being in the dorms in college and I don't know why, but they put, there must've been a push, I guess, early on to like include the calorie count on things. Mm -hmm. So I remember in our dorm, it was dinner one night and it was like steamed broccoli. Or it was supposed to be steamed broccoli. And there were like thousands of calories. And I was like, what did they do to the broccoli? Like, no wonder why this is so hard. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I was like, okay, when I started to gain weight, I know what to do. My family did this my whole life. And I did every diet under the sun, right? Like gained and lost, gained and lost up and down the whole night for years. And I remember even when I first learned about the program that I now teach, I was like, no, 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 that's okay. I've got my thing. Like, <laughs> I don't need whatever you have, you know? And um, 
it was sort of interesting because I was looking for something to do outside of my full-time job with the intention of not working for someone else for the rest of my life. So whether that was with investments and, you know, having a side job so that I could make money or more money and invest that or have a business that would turn into me being self-employed, right? I didn't really know the details, but I was looking for something. And honestly, those two worlds collided because I, so like I said, I was introduced to this program and I was like very standoffish. I was like, "Mm -mm, I don't need this. And then I saw people who were following it over and over. And this one woman, and first of all, they were keeping the weight off, right? But this one woman was telling her story of losing like 150 pounds. No joke. And I honestly, everything she said after that was like the teacher and Charlie Brown. Like I heard zero words because I was like in my own head staring at her because I couldn't see where 10 pounds could have been on her body. And she's telling me that the equivalent of another human was attached to her, you know? And I had a moment with myself of like, Jennifer, you know, (laughs) like this was a full name moment, right? Like I'm having a moment with myself of like, they clearly know something that you don't know. So I worked with a coach. I followed the program and it completely changed my life. Like the only thing that's allowed me to say I've kicked my food issues. And yeah, and I believe that's the case because I call it the nutrition education we're all supposed to know and no one ever taught us, right? It feels like food issues when the chemicals and hormones in our body are pushing us toward, you know, certain food choices. And we're trying to like white knuckle it to health or to weight loss. Right. You know, and, um, though everything just sort of when you start to work with your body and your body's <laughs> properly responding to, you know, hormones that tell us when we're hungry and when we're satisfied and, you know, things that used to feel like climbing Mount Everest naked and barefoot are now like, oh no, I'm at the bottom of a ski hill in Vermont. with like skis, poles, boots, a jacket, and a chairlift, you know, like it's night and day. Um, and so I, I was like, this is my thing. Like, this is what I'm going to do outside my full-time job because I was just so passionate about it. I was like, how is it that this isn't what we learned? And why did we learn this crazy food pyramid? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, You know, and just the more I learned, the more passionate I was about getting this information out there. Because really, I mean, you know, this is sort of a tangent of a topic, but like, how could we expect any other outcome than heart disease and diabetes and obesity and all of these challenges that we have, given what we were taught, what our food supply looks like and all those kinds of things. Like, of course, this is where we ended up. Right, yeah. So what does it look like to, well, okay. So I feel like (laughs) your podcast in and of itself is a wealth of knowledge. And then beyond that, I know you also have this membership program as well. So what do the different tiers of working with you look like? Sure. So the podcast is totally free. I would say there's tons of education there. It's about you actually implementing (laughs) the things that we talk about. 
right? And, right. and listen, that's easier said than done. Let's call a spade a spade. Like we all have a lot on our plates to begin with. The membership gives you some additional tools and a second touch base in the week, right? So the membership gets you an email every Friday with a reminder about that week's episode, um, at least one recipe, typically at least monthly, I'm sending you an additional article or tool, you know, so more tools, more information, um, sort of like curated content, if you will. Uh, I send discounts from myself, our guests and our partners to that group. Um, and quarterly, that group gets a live Q&A with me. Sometimes that's a one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes that's, you know, a group session for all the members. And that's really, so that's four times a year you get that. And that podcast membership is $10 a month, like really economical. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I go into coaching. I do both group and one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's a 12-week program. You know, it's a curriculum, right? Like it's the nutrition education we're all supposed to know, right? So um, what you get with that coaching, we do a weekly session that um, I typically do over the phone. One-on-one, -on -one, you have the option of Zoom um, or in person if you're in New York. Um, but groups are like old school conference call just over the phone. And we meet once a week. We talk about the prior week. Uh, there's a video that you watch every week. I give you questions to guide your watching as you watch the short video. And so then when we're on the call, we'll discuss the video. And then after that, I typically add other tools or ways to think about things from other trainings I've done and things like that. And so over the 12 weeks, week one is a detox. I know we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. that. It's probably the opposite of what you think <laughs> because week one is eat all day and don't exercise for oh, detox. Well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not what anybody was expecting. I know that. Um, and then we start with really the nuts and bolts of nutrition, understanding how foods impact our body, how our body processes food and starting to guide our food choices based on that. And then towards like the middle and the second half, we get into all the habits and behaviors and sleep and stress and all of the things that make this not so easy, right? So we tackle it from sort of a chemical side and a behavioral side. And um, I also work with supplementation. So it's an individual personalized package for that group program. So I can't even give you pricing, right? Because what you need is different than what I need is different than, you know, what somebody else needs. I will tell you, you know, I have some clients where that looks like a high quality multivitamin, you know, and really just filling in the gaps and giving their body some proper nutrition. I have other clients where that looks like, you know, maybe some botanical blends to help their body properly respond to the hormones that tell us when we're hungry and when we're satisfied or, um, you know, some nutrient based formulas to help us properly respond to stress. You know, there's a, a category of herbs called adaptogens, right. That bring us back into balance. So we can really use some nutraceuticals as we call them to support our transition 
into this healthier lifestyle. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna pull myself down with this cord. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just did the same thing myself. <laughs> Almost pulled my ears off. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and so and so group coaching is more economical than one-on-one. -on -one. And so I would say there's sort of two reasons why somebody would choose one or the other. Some people prefer the economics of group over one-on-one. -on -one. Some people prefer to not hear everybody else's stories. They're like, <laughs> I just want to talk about my stuff and move on, right? But then there's other people who are like, no, I want the group. I don't want to feel alone in this anymore. If, you know, over 12 weeks with a handful of people, you have potentially years worth of experiences that you're talking about and working through in just 12 weeks, even though you only had 12 weeks. Does that make sense? Right. Because yeah. everybody has their, uh, life events in that time. So, you know, the options are available and it's really about what's going to work best for you and setting you up to not need me, right? My ultimate objective is for you to not need me. <laughs> if what you're doing requires you to show up every week to somebody to know what you're going to eat the next week. That's not a forever lifestyle. Right. Right. If the idea of doing what you're doing right now till the end of time is like, oh no, right. Then we need to stop what we're doing and reassess because we don't want to do anything to get there that we couldn't do for forever. All right. Thank you for explaining that, yeah. like what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. So let's move into these five fat factors that you've defined. And yes, we'll just kind of work through them. All right. So fat factor number one is basically dieting, right? Yo-yo dieting, gaining and losing, gaining and losing, right? Crash dieting. I don't know, like the cabbage soup diet, the master cleanse, all these things where we dramatically cut calories. So we cut out whole food groups, right? Anytime we do these crazy diets and I say crazy with a lot of love, been there, done that, <laughs> done them all, right? Like there isn't one out there that I haven't done. My family hasn't done, or we don't know somebody who's done it. So what actually happens in the body, right? We lose weight. The, the number on the scale goes down until it doesn't, right? It works for a finite period of time. The scale stops moving. We get frustrated. We go back to these old eating habits because we're like, screw it. Why would I suffer if nothing's going to happen on the scale, right? Right. So what actually happens, right? Then we go back to these old eating habits. The number on the scale creeps back up. So in the body, when we dramatically cut calories, cut out whole food groups or do these kinds of things, what we're losing when the number on the scale goes down is actually water muscle and bone. That's why the scale stops. Then we're frustrated. We go back to old eating habits. Well, muscle dictates metabolism. So if we just lost weight as muscle, we now have less muscle on our body to be burning that extra fuel that we're now eating again. So we gain the weight back. The number on the scale starts to creep back up. We're gaining that weight back as fat. So we lose it as water and muscle, gain it back as fat. Lose it as water and muscle, gain it back as fat. So even if from you know this diet to the next one, 
we're going back up to that same number on the scale. When we look at body composition, we're actually fatter at the same number than we were the last time. And so what's really happening is that we're wreaking havoc on our metabolism and totally destroying our ability to really properly process foods. And so there were times I remember feeling like I would just breathe and gain weight, like kind of what was happening. Yeah. You know, or we can be the same number on the scale, but the clothes fit differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's number one. Okay. Number two is sedentary lifestyle. So this is not news, right? I feel like at this point, we've all heard sitting is the new smoking, right? But here's what's also not human, sitting all day and then going to the gym for an hour and going berserk. Like that's also not really how our bodies were designed to be, you know? Yeah. So what we've done is create this situation where we're sitting all the time. We're not using our muscle the way muscle works. If you don't use it, you lose it. So not only are we dieting and eliminating muscle, even as we age naturally, right? Muscle balance in our body shifts, our ability to build muscle shifts. And then we sit all day and we're losing muscle tone. We're losing muscle. So really what we need to do is, you know, outcome of these two things is focus on number one, body composition. So stop looking at the number on the scale, start measuring with the tape measure and measure actually body fat percentage, not just BMI, but body fat percentage. And the objective is to build muscle. Muscle dictates metabolism. So the consequence of this sedentary lifestyle is that we're again, wreaking havoc on our metabolism. We're losing that muscle mass that's really going to allow us to be burning fuel all the time, even when we're sitting on the couch watching TV. One question here about yeah. body fat percentage. Is it just as easy as measuring yourself with a tape measure? Okay, no, so good. Well, one way we can do it as a rule of thumb with a tape measure, is to say each inch down around the waist is about 1% body fat. Okay. But you want to get a scale that actually measures body fat percentage. Okay. So like one of those impeded scales? Yeah. Like I like, there's two brands. Uh, Tanita makes a good one. Omron makes a good one. And this is the kind of thing where like, you pay 20 bucks for the scale, you're probably going to get 20 bucks worth of accuracy, right? But it doesn't mean you have to spend a million dollars on the scale either. What we can do then is use the scale to measure the change rather than taking the absolute number as gospel. Okay. Does that make sense? That definitely makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like the gold standard of measuring body fat percentage is one of those like giant water tanks, you know, that like, it's costly. Your doctor's going to tell you, no, it's not worth it. We can suffice with, you know, your gym might even have a scale that does that. Um, there are some handheld ones where like, like the Omron yeah. handheld meters, um, your gym probably has that one. That's going to give you a different measurement than the one that you're a scale that you're standing on. Yeah. 
Um, so again, we want to look at it less as the absolute number, more as the change. Okay. You know, as a measurement of progress. Um, and we use the tape measure to help measure our progress also, like not just around the waist, but like the arm, the hips. Um, for men, you can do like your forearm, your quad. Um, we use this to also help measure our progress because I have to tell you the scale is the worst barometer. Maybe second only to BMI. Yeah, BMI is terrible. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, one more question about that. For women, does it make a sense does, sorry, let me see if I can talk. Does it make a difference? Like when in your cycle you're measuring this, should it always be at the same time of the month or are you checking more frequently than that? Great question. So I recommend people weigh no more often, hear me everybody, divorce the scale, no more often than once a month. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> once a month, same time of day, same day of the week same outfit so that we're minimizing those variables and you're eliminating those daily fluctuations because let's be clear, especially for women, right? A lot of times we think about, oh, we have a couple hormone changes in life, right? From sort of birth to age, you know, 10 to 13, right? And then we have hormone changes later in life, you know, perimenopause, menopause, right? The truth is, we go through a monthly cycle, a 30-day cycle, which means not only is our cycle different every single month, but every single day to move through a 30-day cycle, your hormones are different. So we want to try to do the same day of the month, you know, each month, again, to minimize some of those variations. Okay. You know, and that way, like, oh, your salty meal yesterday. No big deal. Okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. No, great question. <laughs> um, so those were one and two. Number three is, <laughs> we have a couple different words for it, right? Like one is sort of like garbage in, garbage out, um, junk food, right? But it's really processed food. Like what qualifies as food? We are a country of people who are overfed and undernourished, right? We are eating foods that are devoid of nutrients, right? I really call them one of my mentors too, like food-like substances, right? It's marketed yeah. to us as food. We're told it's food. We eat it like food, but our body does not recognize it as food, right? There's the same way you talk about you know, topically what's in those products, what's in the things that we're ingesting is next level. And so what's happening there, not only does our body say, I don't even know what to do with this, right? Like I was looking for some protein. This is a bunch of chemicals. I'm going to knock, 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 tell you I'm still hungry because I'm looking for vitamins and minerals and nutrients. Right. So one piece is we're continuing to feel hungry because our body is continuing to seek nutrition. Yeah. And two, a lot of those foods, it, they are designed, they are made with chemicals that turn off our ability to know when we're full, that hit those, you know, receptor sites in the brain 
that say more, please, <laughs> right? It is not a coincidence. What was, what was that food? Was it Pringles that was like, once you pop, you can't stop? Yes. And then there's another one you can't eat just one, right? Yeah. Please? All of those. Yeah. It's chemical that you can't eat just one. They designed it that way. They're also designed with the perfect amount of crunch, the perfect amount of sweet and salty to hit all of these different chemical receptors in the mouth and the brain and all the places to make us keep eating, right? So the more we can steer toward quality nutrition, foods that give us nutrients, some of these things will take care of themselves. But if you feel like you're hungry all the time or you're not hungry at all, and then once you start eating, you can't stop, right? It's very chemical. You know, that's a lot of the leptin, ghrelin, hormone situation. And it's a lot of function of what we're actually eating. So that's number three. The more we can choose foods that don't have a label, the better. Okay. And then learning to read the labels is a whole other can of yeah. worms, right? That's, that's a practice in and of itself. Um, so that's number three. Okay. Number four is stress. And I know you've talked Aww. about this before, right? But again, like it's chemical that we crave sugar and chocolate and caffeine and all of the things that perpetuate the stress response, right? Here's what's also I think there's a massive disconnect for many of us in terms of knowing what we're supposed to do and actually doing it. Right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. For me, bridging that gap was about understanding why. Right. Okay. So I make a really big effort to make sure everybody understands why. So why is it that stress is so detrimental for our health in total and our weight specifically, right? So it's not just that the stress hormone cortisol that we've all heard about so much, right? Makes us crave these foods. But when our body is in this stress response, right? Which is the same response that saved our lives. It still saves our lives, right? Like, you know, you put your hand on a burning, you know, on a burner of an oven, like you're gonna pull it back, stress response, right? We you know, are hyper aware. Maybe we're walking down the street at night and it's dark. We're hyper aware. We're sort of on alert. That's a stress response that saves our life. It serves a purpose, right? Right. But when it's over an extended period of time, right, which the stress response was not designed to be right. right. If we were being chased by <laughs> a saber tooth tiger, right. We fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. Right. And at some point, either we hide and watch the tiger run past us. We freeze and watch the tiger run past us, right? Or, you know, we're eaten by the tiger. So, you know, whatever, right? So, but that whole process was like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Our lives now, we, the alarm clock goes off. Stress mm -hmm. response. Yep. We hear the buzz of our phone. Stress response. We think about a conversation that has to happen, stress response, right? So we have this constant stress response. When, it, when we're in that stress response, right? Anything that is not critical to fight, flight, freeze turns off, right? So you know what takes up a lot of energy? Digestion. 
digestion, our metabolism, our reproductive system, our immune system. So all these other systems in the body turn off when we're in the stress response. You're sick all the time. How stressed are you? You know what I mean? Right. Having trouble getting pregnant. How stressed are you? And it sounds weird, right? But (laughs) it's really connected. And so if our body is constantly in this state of stress, all these other things that we want it to do, it's not going to do no matter what you try. I have one more question about this. Yeah. Stress. So is eating a way of escaping from that stress in daily life? Like, is that part of what leads into it for some people? Well, yes. And it exacerbates it, right? So we end up in this vicious cycle sometimes. So cortisol chemically makes us crave sugar and chocolate and caffeine, right? Because our body thinks it needs fight or flight. Yeah. Some, right. Yeah. The way we get fuel fast is, is sugar and caffeine and all those kinds of things. Right. So that makes us crave those foods. Then our body gets those foods. It's fast fuel. We use it quickly. We're craving it again. So it creates this vicious cycle. And the challenge then too, is that for so many of us, we use food to de-stress. We think it's going to help, right? We, and I think also, and this is sort of, this is not science. This is like my own analysis, right? Like, I think that we have given ourselves permission to take a break to eat, Right. We have not not given ourselves permission to take a break, to listen to music, to take a couple deep breaths, to go meditate, to go for a walk around the block. Yeah. So if we're in the middle of the workday, right. And we're overwhelmed and stressed, we have the cortisol telling us to eat these crazy foods, or we think I just need a break. Okay. I'll go eat that thing. Right. So we have this tendency to lean toward foods for the emotional support, for the de-stressing, for the excuse, right? The the justifiable reason to take a break and step away from the computer, you know, or, you know, my famous move is to take the snack and then go sit back down and eat it in front of the computer, you know, Yeah. (laughs) right? But so it is this vicious cycle where it's sort of coming at us from all angles with stress of the things we're using to de-stress are actually exacerbating all of the issues. So quick tip that no one asked for, but, (laughs) you know, take a post-it, write on the post-it a whole bunch of things that you really enjoy doing and some that maybe you never like make time to do, like read a book, take a bath, you know, like light a candle, um, listen to music, you know, but like also what kind of music, like be specific on this list, you know, um, make a few copies of this post-it with the list. Okay. Put one on your computer screen, put one on your coffee table, put one on the bag of chocolates, put one on the top of the pint of ice cream right? Wherever we're actually going to interrupt, like the post, it's going to interrupt our process of getting to that 
food, yeah. <laughs> right? And it can remind us of the options that we have available that actually help solve the stress issue compared to that food. Okay. You know, because easily if we go take three deep breaths, it will be more effective in turning your metabolism back on and de-stressing than the donut, the ice cream, the cookie, the chips, the coffee, all the things. Okay. <laughs> was that, is that helpful? Was that too much? Right. <laughs> that was definitely helpful. Okay. <laughs> they can um, staple it to the bag of chocolates. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then number five is sleep. And I think, I think my episode on sleep was almost an hour and a half or something. I mean, like it is so listened to that one yet. Okay. So, all right. (laughs) It's a lot. Um, but it's so important. Like so many of the things that we go to the doctor for Mm -hmm. could show just all be resolved if we slept. It's like the underlying issue of a vast majority of the things and symptoms and anything we're experiencing in a day. Sleep is reset. Sleep is memory. Sleep is energy. Sleep is human growth hormone. Sleep is everything. Sleep is hunger and satiety, right? So if we don't sleep, so leptin is this hormone that tells us when we're hungry. It's actually produced by our fat cells. And our body is leptin resistant, meaning our body's not responding to leptin when we are underslept. So you know those days where like you don't sleep enough and then the next day you're like, I cannot stop eating. It's more than just eating to have the energy to stay awake because you're tired. It is chemical that you are never feeling satisfied. Sorry, did I say leptin's a hormone that tells when we're hungry? Leptin is a hormone that tells when we're satisfied. I just blacked out. What did I? (laughs) Yeah, you said leptin, ghrelin, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. so ghrelin tells us when we're hungry. Leptin (laughs) tells us when we're satisfied. Leptin is produced by those fat cells. And it does, we do not respond to that. Our body will not feel satisfied if we are underslept. Okay. And that's a major challenge, you know, for all of us, right? We're, we have been told to sleep when you die, do more, push harder, you know, find more time in the day. And I, I mean, we're all guilty of it. I still do it sometimes, (laughs) right? But sleep is so critical to every piece of our health that it would not surprise me if that becomes the next thing after sitting. That's, you know, the new smoking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for walking us through the five fat factors. I wanted to yeah. circle around number one, back to that yo-yo dieting yeah. and the, and the hormones. Um, so here, yeah. especially just thinking again about women and how so many of us are hypothyroid and what that might do to the thyroid hormones. Yeah. So it's all interconnected, right? Cortisol and insulin are very much 
connected to the thyroid. Um, and so it all works together, right? It's, we can't look at one without the other. Frankly, anything in the body, nothing exists in isolation. However, what we see is that even with hypothyroid, even with thyroid medications, some people will say, I can't lose the weight, right? So again, we see leptin and ghrelin insensitivity. We see uh, resistance, right? We see um, stress challenges, right? So again, some of these same herbs and botanicals and shifting our food to be working with our system can have dramatic effect. I would say 90% of my clients have thyroid issues. You know, especially, um, maybe that's too much. Maybe it's probably like 70 or 80, but a vast majority of my clients over the years, you know, have hypothyroid. And again, part of it's a function of our lifestyle. Part of it's a function of, you know, all these other factors, right. And stress and adrenal fatigue and not sleeping. And, um, but we're not doomed. And I think that's a really big piece for people who have been diagnosed with, um, hypothyroid is that we feel like we're doomed. We feel like, well, this is just what it's going to be. And it actually doesn't have to be that way at all. I've had clients too, you know, especially with um, shifting their food habits and looking at some of these botanicals that are able to adjust their medications as well. Okay. Did that answer your question? Yeah. It's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we covered the five factors. Um, since we have since we have some time left, yeah. would you like to talk about the detox as well? All right. So this is such a buzzword, especially like beginning of the year, everybody's like, I'm done drinking, I'm on a detox, right? There's a lot of ways to define detox. Um, I think I want to preface this whole conversation by understanding that our body has detoxification pathways that are working all the time, every day, no matter what. You know, like it is not, just that one week when you're like, oh, I'm on a detox. Right. Right. It's happening all the time. So detoxification every day, right. Happens with a number of organs, but primarily our liver. Our liver is not a multitasker. Our liver can really only process one thing at a time. And it prioritizes based on that which is most toxic, right? So toxins in the body, fat can be a toxin. Sugar is a toxin, right? But those are less toxic than alcohol, right? There's the word intoxicated for a reason, (laughs) right? So the body, the liver prioritizes that which is most toxic, which is the alcohol. And then eventually we can get to the sugar and maybe at some point we can maybe get to the fat. So when we think about detoxification, it's something that we need to think about actually all the time, every day in our lifestyle choices of what we're doing 
to support detoxification or thinking about how much we're taxing our detoxification pathways, right? So like in what you talk about all the time with the toxins in our skincare, the toxins in our water bottles or the thing, right? Our body has to deal with all of those. So eating quality nutrition, fiber, right? Helps clean and carry some of those toxins out of the body, which helps sort of lighten the load a little bit on the liver, right? Yeah. Not eating insane food choices. And I'm, I, I hate the phrase that I just used, but <laughs> you know, like we sort of know what we mean, right? Those really indulgent food choices that often happen after our alcohol, right? It's not, it's more that our body can't deal with any of that food till the alcohol is gone. Right. So it, it's like, how much stress are we putting on the liver? And then when we get to sort of like this special seasonal detox, right? Where people are like, oh, I'm doing a detox. I'm going to do a juice cleanse or I'm going to do, or I'm, you know, only going to eat carrots for a week or whatever it is. <laughs> One of the things is that our body was designed to do the work. Our digestive system was designed to do the work. So what happens is that if we're doing something that doesn't require our body to do any sort of digestion, right? We're not actually helping clean it all out. So what I recommend for a detox, if somebody really wants to do one, is seven days, no more than seven days of vegetables, some fruit, uh, protein, clean, lean protein, and a little bit of olive oil or avocado oil uh, each day. We are staying away from all of the allergens and all of the things that tax our natural detoxification pathways. So alcohol, sugar, caffeine, <laughs> right? I even recommend that we lighten up on the salt um, to help the body a little bit. So it's really about, but eating all those foods that have fiber and nutrition, right? So fiber, we call it the scrubbing bubbles of our intestines, right? So we get the fiber in there to clean it all out, right? Yeah. You'll be surprised at how dramatic you feel dramatically different you feel, you know, the first couple of days, yeah, you'll probably have a headache. You might feel extra tired. So choose that week to get a massage to, you know, don't do it on a week when you have tons of social plans. Um, you know, we want to keep that week a little bit lighter on the life side, <laughs> right? So that if we're cranky, it's okay. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> And on the exercise front for that week, because like I said, I want you to eat all day. So also when you're doing this, you got to stay a little bit ahead of that hunger, right? Once we get yeah. hungry, it's infinitely harder. Right. So that's why I say eat all day. And then the second thing is don't exercise. And the reason we don't do, you could, you could walk, you could do something more of like a 
Pilates or a yoga that's not super um, strenuous, right? I mean, there are certain types of both Pilates and yoga that are more strenuous than others, but we want to keep it pretty light. And part of that is because we're eating limited amounts of protein. So it's about three ounces of protein twice a day, which is not a regular healthful daily life quantity of protein. And so with that limited protein, it, we don't have enough of the amino acids and what we need to support the muscle breakdown. So if we work out too vigorously or right during that week, we're breaking down muscle because that's what happens, right? When yeah. you work out with resistance, we break down those muscle fibers and we want them to rebuild. When they rebuild, they, re they build back stronger. That doesn't happen if we don't have enough protein. So what could happen if we work out too much in that detox week is that we're breaking down those muscle fibers and they're not growing back. And so then we're back to losing muscle, which is the opposite of what we want because muscle dictates metabolism. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's my, the short version of my detox, like, you know, and there's a list of specific vegetables and fruits and things like that, that we recommend. Cause you know, there are some that are more helpful than others, you know, but staying away from those grains, staying away from the dairy, staying away from all the common allergens and, um, that which adds, uh, detoxification needs. <laughs> all right, Jen. All right. So how can people find out more about you? Absolutely. So like we said, salad with a side of fries is the podcast. A salad with a side of fries.com okay. has info on not just the podcast, the membership, my coaching, reach out to me through there and all social media. I'm at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Um, and what I'll do for you, for your listeners, I'll give you a link. We'll give you guys a um, complimentary discovery call so we can hop on the phone, talk about what you're up to, start the year positively, right? Yes. <laughs> With a great game plan. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll send you a link you can put in the show notes for that. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you so much. There's one more question about that membership yes. though, the, the yeah. rolling 12 weeks. So for that, how the program of 12, yeah, weeks. The, yeah the, mm -hmm. sorry, the 12. Yes. Sorry. The 12 week program yeah. for that. How often do you enroll? Is it kind of an ongoing thing or do you start quarterly? So, great question. It's a set cohort for the okay. 12 weeks. Um, typically, typically have a group starting about every six weeks or so. Okay. Um, and then I also have a couple other coaches that I've trained. So if I don't have a group starting, probably they do, um, no matter one-on-one -on -one certainly could start anytime, but at least let's get on the phone. Let's figure out what your plan would look like. And then we can talk timing. Okay. That sounds great. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for offering that free consultation. Call. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. We could talk for forever. So yes, we could. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Jen. Thank you.